Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, fam, and welcome back to the Freckled Foodie and Friends podcast. Today is another solo episode. I am really having fun doing these. I am blown away by the response. Thank you guys so much. It's definitely difficult to sit here and ramble on for 30 plus minutes alone, especially when, like, I know that people are listening, obviously, but at the same time, like, I don't see you and it's not like real time live. It's not like I'm even giving a Zoom speaking session or whatever. It really is just talking into this abyss and hoping that it lands and sticks and resonates with people. So it means so much to me when you guys send messages to my Instagram or at FF and Friends Pod or the email podcast at Freckled Foodie and let me know your thoughts on the episode and whether you enjoyed it or why you enjoyed it or what resonated with you or any topic requests. Like that means so much to me because that is the fuel that keeps me going because otherwise, I am just sitting in my bed right now talking to Charlie as he stares at me. So it's really helpful to know that it is hitting and sticking and being well-received by you all, which these solo shows seem to have been doing. So let's keep going. Today's topic is, again, like kind of in the parenthood spectrum of things. I'm trying to go back and forth. I don't want it to only be parenting topics. Um, But I want to talk about division of labor because this is something that I've spoken a lot about in my personal life with Joe, but also with a lot of my friends. And I've touched on a few times on Instagram and I've gotten a lot of messages asking me questions on it. And I just think it's a very interesting topic. So thank you to everyone who submitted their thoughts and kind of journal entries and questions for me. We have a lot to get into. Come on in, take a seat. So the first time I really even heard of the term division of labor or started to actually think about it was I listened to this podcast episode of Terrible Thanks for Asking, which is Nora McInerney's show. She actually has been a guest on Freckled Foodie and Friends. I love her. She's amazing. And she had an episode called Fair Play at Home with Eve Rodsky, and it talks all about how... Eve as a mother, but also she's an author and founder of a business. And I'll get into that. Um, She talks about the straw that broke her back 
and forced her to re-examine what it means to value care and time in your own household. So I want to rewind to honestly all the way back to my childhood because I think everyone's upbringing plays a role in how they value um, care for children and also just time spent in the household and all of that. So for me growing up, my both of my parents were working until I was the age of, I think, three-ish. So I have no memory of that. But if I think about all of my memories from my childhood, my dad was at work all day long. Um, We lived in New Jersey. He was commuting into New York, which is like a two-hour commute plus. So he would leave at five in the morning and he'd come home. I I don't really have memories of this, but we definitely not for dinner. We weren't having a family dinner. He'd come home, I think, like to say goodnight to us. But honestly, some nights I'm sure he did get home in time to see us. He also, when we were kids, was traveling a ton for business. So my mom definitely took on most of the, like 99% of the responsibility of the household. I don't think they disagree with that. Um, yes, my father was providing financially, which also I want to include the caveat that like my mom was for a very long time, the provider of the two of them. Um, and then my mom was taking on pretty much all of the other stuff. So growing up, who was doing the laundry, the cooking, the driving, the making of lunches, the birthday parties, all of those things, that was my mom. And I say this all the time, my mom is the busiest unemployed woman I know. Like since we got older, she's taken on a ton of volunteer work. She's involved with the high school we went to. She's involved with the college we went to. She's on the board. Like she is so fucking busy. But I don't think I ever realized how much work she was actually doing just to keep us all existing because I think that's something we just take for granted as kids. And even as a young adult, I think I took for, took it for granted. And it wasn't until I had a child and become a parent that I was like, holy shit. And some of you wrote in about this where you were like, growing up, my mom did everything. And I always was like, I don't want I don't want to be the person that's doing everything. I don't want to be the mom that's doing everything and the husband's working. Like that's not the dynamic I want. And then you feel like you've almost fallen into it and you're trying to figure out how to get out of it. So we are going to touch on that. For us, when Joe and I moved in together, and I'm going to share a mix of like our our past with this topic, kind of how we got to where we are today, where we are today, still struggles, and then stuff that you guys have sent in as well. When we first moved in together, or yeah, I guess, like when we first moved in together, he moved into the apartment I was already in. Um, He had become a cleaner person since he was 16, but I think most people do. It's just not all couples are witnessing that growth because not everyone's together from the age of 16. But Joe was not the cleanest human. And when we moved in together, like he was very clean, but I was definitely doing the like tasks of grocery shopping and cooking. And he was doing the dishes. It was like, if I cook, he cleans. Like that was always the deal. But I was always doing like the ordering of things and most of the cleaning, we do have a woman that helps clean our house like every other week. So deep cleaning. But with Charlie, we basically have to vacuum every single day. Um, and I felt like it was never really something we talked about. I'm trying to think back. This feels like a different lifetime ago because anything without Liam feels like forever ago. But I don't ever remember feeling frustrated by it. It was just like kind of small things here or there. Like I wasn't overwhelmed by it, I guess is the best way to put it. And 
that's kind of where we were. So then insert having a child. I think this honestly started during pregnancy because I think so much there's division of labor, but then there's also this layer of resentment that plays into or that is caused by division of labor in some cases, but that is also caused by the reality of how different the experience is assuming a heteronormative couple for the female than it is for the male or even a same-sex couple. It's a very different experience for the person who is carrying the child and for the person who is not. And that is reality. There is no way to change that. One person in this couple is becoming pregnant and the other person yes, maybe in a same-sex marriage could take this on, but assuming a heteronormative relationship, Joe cannot take on the act of bearing a child. So that's something that, I it's so confusing and conflicting the emotions I have because it just sets it up already so much falling on the female. And that's what I struggle with. And I don't know how that ever changes because I it's not possible. Um, but I remember feeling resentful towards Joe towards in the beginning of the pregnancy and at the end of the pregnancy because at the beginning I was just so miserable and his life was just carrying on. And then at the end, I was like, I'm so uncomfortable. My life has completely changed and you just still get to live your life. And it's not like I didn't want him to live his life. I wanted him to have fun with his friends. I wanted him to go out and spend time with people. And yes, I was spending time with people too, but it was such a different experience for me than prior to becoming pregnant, and it wasn't for him. And that's not his fault. That's something I've had to work through a lot to accept and acknowledge. It's nothing he did wrong. It's just the reality that it is different for the person carrying child. And I do think that it almost sets up the childbearing person to adapt to this mental shift of becoming a parent earlier than the person who is not bearing a child. And I I also, I want to put in a caveat of like, I'm, a, I'm going to use a lot of heteronormative assumptions. I also am going to look into, I'm going to talk to some of my same-sex friends or friends who are in same-sex marriages with children of maybe having one of them or both of them on the show to talk about what this looks like in a same-sex marriage because I also find that very interesting. Um, However, it just felt like my life completely changed and his didn't. And I, I verbalize that because I think if you hold in resentment, it gets really ugly. I didn't know that that trend was going to continue and deepen even further in early postpartum. So I give birth. I choose to breastfeed. And that right there is so much work that if you choose to breastfeed, the other person similarly cannot take on. Again, this is why many people choose formula. Formula is fucking awesome. You know I am pro-formula. That alleviates a lot of the pressure for the birthing person, and it also allows for more equitable split of the act of feeding the child. But if you choose to breastfeed right off the bat, you have such a heavier load of work 
and time and physical and mental. It's all consuming. And I just remember feeling like everything had changed for me because my body was in pain. My body had changed. I'm now all of a sudden a life source for someone. I'm a freaking cow. I have udders. Like you literally feel like a cow feeding this child. And Joe's physical life didn't change. And I'm not talking about like, oh, I wish I hadn't gained weight. I just mean like physically he felt the same. And that just seemed unfair to me. And again, not his fault, but it did form a layer of resentment. And it started to become clear that I felt I was doing a lot. And between the feeding and being the primary like caring parent, like the, what's the right term for it? Um, the default parent in a sense, like if Liam's crying, I was the first person to go. I was the first person to do that, um, to soothe him, to hold him, to calm him, all of those things. But I also was falling into a lot of the household tasks that I had been doing. And it just was bubbling up and felt like a lot. And this is coming from someone who's in a relationship where Joe was trying to do a lot of things. We had had the conversation before having Liam, which I think is very important, about how we really wanted this to be a 50-50. Like, we wanted to share responsibilities. We wanted both of us to be hyper-involved. I think in today's world, it drives me insane that, like, men get applauded for doing the bare fucking minimum as a father and women get expected to do absolutely everything and still never celebrated. And you guys know I talked about this with the whole stroller situation with Joe and my mom being like, way to go, Joe, because he took Liam out on a walk. And it's like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, oh, Joe, that's so fun. I'm so happy that you got to go on a walk with Liam. But like, way to go. It's it's almost when we do this to men, men who are hyper-involved and aware of this, it's infantilizing to them because it's like, do you not think I can do this? Like, these are simple tasks of parenting. Um, And he was very aware of that. And some of you have written in being like, I hear my brother-in-law or friends or whoever, men being like, oh, I'm not going to change a diaper. If I ever heard those words come out of a man's mouth who I was considering having children with, you better believe I would run so fast to that fucking door and never look back. Like that is insane to me that anyone would say that and that anyone would stick around after hearing those words come out of someone's mouth who they're potentially having a child with. Um, But basically, we kind of had to reconfigure what our share of tasks and household work looks like. Because again, So much naturally falls on the birthing person. And if you don't actively, I really want to stress this, if you don't actively have this conversation, make it a priority and have the discussion, that will just continue to pile up because of the reality that you are the person who birthed the child, you are potentially the food source. Also, society's expectations plays a huge role. And I don't know why. I mean, I I, I kind of know why. I don't have the verbiage to explain it, but I it does naturally, unfortunately, fall on the female and it's bullshit. And so what I suggest we all do is get ahead of it. Have the conversation. Make the change. Don't sit around and just like take the hand you're dealt. 
I, I don't believe you have to. Like we can be the change of generations, and I think we are, of saying like, hey, I want more than that. Like the bare minimum is not enough for me. And that is a huge, huge conversation that comes in when we're talking about division of labor. Another thing that plays a massive role in this is, again, with the birthing person being a the female, the other person in the relationship is usually not getting the same parental leave, which I have many thoughts on parental leave, so many thoughts. However, that also sets us up to fail. So let's take our relationship, for example. I didn't have a typical maternity leave. However, Joe only had two weeks. So after two weeks, he's back at work. A lot more is then falling on me. And thankfully, he was home. And that makes a huge difference, which also had some caveats of like being frustrating because he was home, but he couldn't really help. However, that right there is putting so much more on my plate that also played into the bubble up of like, fuck, we need to have this conversation. We need to sit down like something has to shift because I feel like I'm losing my mind. And what I don't think gets acknowledged from outsiders, um, specifically males, and maybe people who have not had children yet, is the mental load of parenting that I will not make assumptions, but based on my relationship and many of my friends' relationships, has fallen on the woman for us. The mental load has fallen on me. And so let me give you a little look into what the mental load looks like. It is a never-ending, constant, ongoing, never-complete list of things that needs to be done. And it can just go on and on and on. So it's time to eat, right? All right. Okay, what time is it? Oh, it's 2.30. All right, Liam's nap ends at 3.15. I got to wake him up then. I got to feed him. Okay, I'll make his bottle then. Wait, do we have formula? Are we out of formula? I should check. How much formula do we have left? When's the next subscription box coming? Speaking of subscriptions, do we have diapers? Are we like running low on diapers? Fuck, what size is he in diapers? Do I need to order the next size up in diapers? And shit, are we low on wipes? How many wipes do we have? Well, now that I'm taking inventory, do we even have groceries? Like, do I need to go grocery shopping? What What, what is he even eating for dinner tonight? And oh my gosh, now that he's 10 months, he's almost a year, that means that food is gonna be like his primary nutrient source that stresses me out. He needs to be like more equipped in eating solids. Should I try more? I should look into how to actually like properly feed him certain foods. Have I been doing a good enough job? Is he getting enough food? I don't even know. All right, well, let's look. Do we need more pouches? Do I need more puffs? Probably. I mean, we always need more. And fuck, I have to put the laundry away. Well, while I'm putting the laundry away, shit, what size is he? Is he about to be in like a 12 month? What is an what even is the next size? Like, what is the size after six to nine, nine to 12 months? Okay, are we kind of in that? Well, now it's spring. So does he need more clothes for spring? And if it's warmer out, do I go a size up or do we just keep it at this? And oh my gosh, it's warmer out. Have we gone outside yet? We should probably go outside. I haven't really taken him outdoors in the past like day and a half. Fuck. All right, let's go to the park. Speaking of outdoors, we should probably look into music class. Should I do music class again? I don't know. This summer it's hard. Like if we're gone, do I want to spend money to sign up for a class if we're not always going to go? Oh, fuck. Classes. We have swim tomorrow. Does he have everything he needs for swim? Are we signed up for the next like group? Do we need to age out of that? 
Should I be taking him to more classes? When does he go to daycare? Should I be looking into daycare? Like, I don't even know what daycare looks like. Or like a toddler's program. Is that something we should be doing? When do babies start speaking? Should I be concerned? Like, is there like some benchmark I should look into? Speaking of benchmarks, he's not like really crawling yet. Is that something I should worry about? I don't know. I guess I'll ask your pediatrician. Do we have another pediatrician appointment? I don't even know when our next one is. I should probably call and schedule that. Speaking of schedules, I'm going away this weekend. So I need to figure out to make sure that I have everything ready for him when I'm away. Joe's mom will come in. She can handle all that. Do we have someone to walk Charlie? Then I'll come home. Okay, but then we have so many weddings coming up. Oh my gosh. We have to figure out who is watching him for all of these things. I need to talk to our Megan. We need to deal with our babysitter schedule. We need to make sure that we have everything covered. It is never ending. That was just one loop. And I just did that off script, off the bat. And that was all real. Like that is what that is the true thought process. That right there is the mental load. It is always thinking about what needs to get done, what's happening in the future, whether it be in five minutes or in six months or in a year. And I realize that not everyone's thoughts may be as ongoing and intense as mine as an anxious person with ADD. But based on speaking with a lot of my friends, that is unfortunately the constant spiral that is ongoing At almost all times. So the mental load is not only constantly thinking about these things, but then there's the execution. And if you're the one thinking about them all the time, you're either the one executing or you're the one delegating. And that's where it gets really difficult because I don't want to be a delegator. I don't want to be telling my partner what he has to do. That A sets up for a very unfun and not great dynamic between partners because then one almost feels like the boss. But also, if I'm constantly delegating and telling someone how to do something or showing them how to do it continuously, that's taking up more brain space. That's just taking up more time. The goal is to completely offload things out of your mind so that you don't even have to think about them. And I'm gonna get into that in a second. With this mental load, one of you wrote in, it seems all of our straight cisgendered male partners have gotten some unspoken pass on so many things that we as moms don't get. For example, Monday, my partner decided to golf. I didn't know he was golfing until Sunday evening. Whose job was it to plan the day for our son? Mine. He never even had to give it a second thought. If I was going to spend the day away, I would have had to plan out each of my son's meals, who was going to watch him if my husband wasn't available, etc. I don't remember agreeing to bear the emotional brunt of everything, yet here I am. And this is what so many women who I've spoken with are dealing with in early postpartum especially, is that somehow it just happened. And then we kind of act on it and it then just continues and continues. And that's why I really wanted to like nip it in the butt early on. And these are continuous conversations that Joe and I are having. But I wanted to be like, I want to have this conversation now because I need you to be more equipped on your own. I need to not have to worry about some things. And I want it to be more of a 50-50 partnership. Now, this is where it gets a little confusing and difficult. Because I work from home, and Joe currently works from home now, he is able to do more things than someone who is working in a corporate office that has very long hours, especially. Similarly, I'm able to do more than someone who is able than someone who is working in a corporate office. So every relationship is very different. 
and there's no one-size-fits-all approach. You have to have the conversation with your partner about your specific household, what matters to you, what each of you enjoy doing, what you do not enjoy doing, how you feel valued, how you feel appreciated, and what would make you thrive as a parent and how the other person can help you get there. The moment I hit my specific breaking point that forced us to reevaluate a a few things was the resentment that I mentioned in the beginning of this episode was bubbling up. And then I did the worst thing you can do. I started keeping score. And keeping score is a dangerous, dangerous game. And I don't recommend it to anyone. Because if you're secretly keeping score, you're already a step past where you should have had the conversation. And now it gets petty and it gets ugly. And it's never going to equate to something that makes you feel better. So keeping score is just setting yourself up to be angry and to be frustrated and to blow up. There's going to be a straw that breaks the camel's back. And we had those moments where I would just lash out. And it would be a shock to Joe because it's like, what in the hell just happened? But in my head, I've been keeping score and keeping track of all of these things over the past days, weeks, months, whatever you want to call it. And that moment was where I completely snapped. And I think if you're in a relationship where you're keeping score, you need to sit your partner down and you need to have this conversation. And it it doesn't have to be ugly. It's very simple. I do not feel like I am getting the help I need in this household. I do not feel valued for everything I do. I need help so that we can both be better parents because I'm drowning right now. And you cannot thrive as a parent if you are drowning and you're not thriving as a human. You are human first. We cannot forget that. So during this discussion that Joe and I were having, he similarly was getting frustrated because he was feeling like he wasn't being appreciated for all of the tasks he was doing. And he was doing a lot of the physical tasks, right? And they're tangible tasks, He washes dishes, you see that the dishes were dirty, and now they're clean. He takes out the trash, you see that the trash can was filled, and now it is empty. So those tangible tasks are easy to grasp as someone who's doing them, being like, I'm doing X, I'm doing Y, I'm doing Z. Like it's a checklist, right? The mental load of parenting is way less tangible. There's no tangible asset to put that equates to constantly thinking whether you have groceries, diapers, wipes, clothes that fit, seasonally appropriate clothes, the kids in classes, like all of those things that I mentioned earlier, that's not really as tangible. And I fully believe that the mental load completely gets overlooked, completely, both by parents, even the person who has is carrying the mental load, and also by society. And maybe that's because it's primarily falling on the female. I don't know, but I do think it gets overlooked. So when Joe said to me that he didn't feel like he was getting appreciated for the things he was doing, I understood where he was coming from, but I similarly was frustrated because I was like, I'm also doing a lot of things. So what I love that we did is the author of the book Fair Play, who was the guest on the podcast episode I mentioned earlier that I'll link in the show notes, and the book Fair Play I'll also link. Um, She made a card game, 
and I think it's called just fair play. I don't know. I'll link it. Um, but it basically is a deck of cards and every single card has a different, I don't know if it's task or act or whatever you want to call it. But the concept is you go through the deck of cards and you say what is important for your household and you set those cards aside. So you create the deck for your home. So for instance, if you don't have kids and you go through the deck of cards and it's like, you know, take the kids to doctor's appointments. Obviously, you don't put that in your deck of cards for your home. Every home has a separate deck of cards based on what is important to the two of you. Now you have your deck. The concept is that whoever is holding that card will always do that task. You now own that task. So you're not going to ask the other person to do it. And the other person no longer has to think about it. Obviously, there are exceptions. Like if Joe's traveling, I'm taking the tasks like trash, for instance, because I'm not just going to like have the trash bin fill up for four days while he's away. But the main thing is that it is no longer on your plate. I no longer have to think about the tasks that Joe owns, and he no longer has to think about the tasks that I own. And this has been so helpful for us, but it also is spread into other aspects of our life. In a very simple example, there's this like day bed where actually this is me realizing that I'm not doing the best job at that because I gave that to Joe and now I'm also trying to micromanage it. So that's not a good example. But that also shows that I am someone who wants help, but I also have a hard time giving up control. So if you're like me, hopefully this helps you this card game. Basically, we sat down, and once you have the deck for your household, you go through. You go through each card, and you assign the person who takes it on. The first round we did this, we didn't assign. We said, okay, well, who's doing this now? Because if you're in a relationship where you feel it's very one-sided, it'll be very evident after doing this. And the reason I wanted to do this is because I wanted to – kind of prove like I had an ulterior motive which isn't great I kind of wanted to prove like well I am doing a fuckload so you can continue to do these tangible physical tasks and I also want to say that Joe and I got in a big fight about this discussion not the card game but about division of labor one night and it was just ugly we weren't the best versions of ourselves and I knew that this deck would help us And I knew that it would prove my point. But I also knew that if we did it that night, it would have turned very ugly. So once we made up, two nights later, we were both in a great mood, hanging out after we had put Liam down and had dinner. And I said, I think it's a really good night to try that card game because we're both in a good mood. It's not going to lead to fights. There's no like premeditated emotions around it right now. This is when we should be doing these things. And I think that's really important to note. So if you're someone who's feeling really frustrated by this discussion or by this topic and you want to have this discussion, don't have the discussion at a time where you're in the middle of a fight or where the argument has started. Have this at a time where you both are in a good mental place and you can actually have an open, honest conversation that will move you forward. So we sat down and went through the deck and it was very clear that I carried most of the cards. We then went through and assigned the cards. And the reason I love this is because there are cards for mental load. There's a card for who's taking care of the baby in the middle of the night if the baby cries. There's a card for 
who is planning doctor's appointments, who is planning social events for the kid, like a play date, like, and then who's taking the kid to the play date, because that's another card. So highly, highly recommend, highly recommend for anyone who is struggling with this. Joe did say at the end of it, I think this would be really difficult if like someone was a stay-at-home parent and someone was a full-time corporate working long hours because yes, a lot of the deck is going to fall on that stay-at-home parent and that would be difficult. But I also think we as people, as humans, as a society need to put more value and respect in the act of caring. A stay-at-home parent is the hardest fucking job out there. I will die on that hill. It is so goddamn hard. And I'm very confused. I don't think I'm a stay-at-home parent. I'm kind of this like weird combination and I don't know why I even want to label myself. I think that's also society putting that pressure on me. But I think we need to provide a lot more value for the stay-at-home parent. And the reason... I say stay-at-home parent instead of stay-at-home mom is because it does not have to be a mom. And one of you wrote in who is coming from a different perspective. You are the working parent and your husband is more of a stay-at-home dad. Forgetting the norms of mom versus dad. I'm the breadwinner and I'm working nine to five, five days a week. And my husband works twice a week. He's a firefighter and stays home with our son the most. Sometimes he says things like, I make a great housewife. And it both makes me sad for him and also infuriates me. Because A, why are we still assimilating household duties to a wife? And B, why are you thinking less of the important things that you're doing all day because you think they aren't quote unquote manly? Also, I'm really jealous of the amount of time he gets to spend with our son. So the jealousy aspect of that, I can't fully speak to based on my role in this in our relationship. But the other points, that, but I can absolutely understand and see how that would happen. Um But the other points you made, I find so fascinating because yes, why are we assimilating all of the household duties to a wife? Like why is it housewife? That drives me crazy. It's the same thing with stay-at-home mom or working mom. Do we ever call dads working dads? Like Joe's a working dad and I'm a working mom. I might not be typical working mom in like the normal fashion of what we think it is, but I am. And Joe is a working dad. And it's the same thing, you know, we... If you look at any interview with a celebrity or anyone, if it's a female, they're like, how do you balance being a mom and running this company or and being an actress? I've never once heard a male ask that question. How do you balance being a dad and running this company? It's a really fucking good question we should be asking more because you know what? That puts the narrative out there that there is something to balance, that it's not all falling on the females. And same thing with working dad. They're choosing to work, okay, so they're a working dad. I also think we don't put enough value in the person who's staying at home. And something I love that I've heard is there's this narrative that I think some women are shamed for staying at home. And it's like, oh, you get to stay at home. Like, how lucky for you. Your husband works and you get to just hang out all day, which is such bullshit. But The working person is not necessarily allowing this stay-at-home person to do that. This stay-at-home person is allowing the other partner to work. Hear that again. The person who is staying home and caring for the children is actually the one that's allowing the other person to work. 
Because if that person were not in the relationship to stay at home, who would be caring for the kids? Yes, obviously there's daycare, there's school, there's childcare, other forms of childcare. But the person who's staying home is allowing the other person to have that career. And I don't think that that is addressed enough. Another person wrote in, I'm now one month back to work from maternity leave and so much of my family has asked me if I'm going to keep working or quit. My husband and I both work, but my job supplies our health insurance in addition to stocks that we save. Why is it that I'm expected or assume to eventually quit? And I hate this. Like it is so typical for us to ask a woman, oh, are you working? And never the dad. And it's really interesting because the other day or last night I was in the lobby of our building and I was talking to this woman who was just standing there. We were waiting for the elevator and she was holding a baby that looked Liam's age. And I was with Charlie and I was like, oh, he's so cute. How old is he? She was like, oh, he's nine months old. And I was like, oh, I have a 10 month old. And we started talking and I was like, she she said something like, have you found your groove yet and I was like oh god it's been honestly a lot harder than I ever imagined but yeah I think I'm finally figuring it out like how about you and she was like yeah me too and I was like and I said are you working and she's like yeah I said are you in an office and we start talking about it and then I said is your partner working because why is it assumed that her first of all I also said partner because I am noticing that we just assume people are in heterosexual relationships when they very well could not be, and it shouldn't be the assumption. Um, but I ask that because it's. I hate that that's never a question either. I hate that that is just assumed. The father in a heteronormative relationship is working, and the mother may or may not be working. So I challenge you, as you're having conversations with new parents or parents or talking about this topic, if you are asking the female if she's working, why don't you also ask if the father is? Like, and I'm not saying we all have to go around asking people if they're working and what their job is and all of that shit. But I just think that like, if it's coming up, we should be asking similarly about a male and we should be calling them working dads. And I am here to make that change. One of you also submitted when we're talking about this concept, how do I not feel guilty when I need a break and ask my partner to take on some tasks, even though I know he's also stressed and could use a break too? We're in a busy season of life with a three-year-old and a five-year-old, and we're both running on fumes someday, some days. Another person also submitted, like, I feel guilty as the default stay-at-home parent asking my partner to do tasks because I feel like that's on my plate. We need to be more comfortable, and more willing to ask for help. This is the hardest job. Being a parent is really fucking hard. Yes, it is rewarding and it is amazing, but it is a lot. And we need to be okay asking for help. Because if you are in need of assistance and you don't ask for help, you will continue to sink and you will feel like you are drowning. And I know it's not easy, especially for a lot of people, but we have to swallow our pride and ask. And for the person who wrote in asking that you feel guilty because you're the default parent, you are allowing your partner to work, okay? You are also allowed a break. And for the other person who's saying that you both are running on fumes and you both need a break, then make time for each of you to have a break. I feel very comfortable saying to Joe, I am not doing well right now 
I need to step away. I need you to take this. I need just a little time. And he feels comfortable doing the same to me. And I also think building in time for yourself alone before you hit that point. That's why I do those mom weekends away with my friends. That's why I go out to dinner with friends or Joe or or do something for myself because you need to make sure that you're filling up your own cup before it's empty. You have to try to get ahead of it, you know? And I, I feel like I've kind of talked in circles around a bunch of different things, but the main takeaways being you have to speak this you have to speak up on this topic. You have to have these conversations. You have to make sure that you are aligned in expectations because if you are expecting someone to do something and you're not vocalizing it, it's probably not going to get done. And I hate the question of, well, how can I help or what can I do to take off your plate or just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I want Joe to just, I want him to know what to do. And I'm not saying that in a sense of like this unrealistic expectation of I just want you to read my mind, but I want to be in a place, which I think we are, and getting close to being at the exact place I'd like to be, where he has his things and I have mine. And he has full ownership over things and I don't have to worry about them. And I have full ownership over things and he doesn't have to worry about them. And we should all get to a place where we are comfortable with who is owning what and not feeling like it's completely lopsided. I'm in a place and something I love and something that I think we should all be at is that I can leave for the weekend and I will not leave a note. I will not ask a question. I will not worry about anything. I know that Joe has it under control because Joe is aware of Liam's schedule, his eating, what he's doing because he's also a parent. And we have so normalized all of this following on the female and the mother, where if the female is leaving for the weekend, there has to be this pamphlet of things for the dad to care for his own child. Like, we need to shift that narrative. And we need to change that reality because that is putting 99% of the parenting on the woman. And that's bullshit. And that's setting us up to fail. So I hope this was helpful. I know I kind of went a bunch of different directions. I'm not trying to like stand on a soapbox and like preach, but I just know this topic is really difficult for so many. And I know that it was a lot of emotions that I felt, especially early postpartum of like resentment and anger and frustration. And these are the things that really helped us. And now if a new task arises or something is happening, we now say like, okay, can you own this? And it is the most helpful, beneficial thing we have started doing as a couple. Um, Also, I just realized I never even said like the split of our tasks. Basically, Joe is dishes, trash, recycling, diaper pail, reloading like diapers and all of that. Um, Nighttime bottle, nighttime bath, nighttime routine. And I'm trying to think of other things. Uh, Vacuuming, laundry. Our babysitter typically does our laundry once a week, but he's on like patrol of when laundry needs to get done or if we're traveling somewhere, like is the laundry getting done before we leave XYZ. I am on... And he also is on Charlie in the morning and most afternoons and feeding Charlie. I am on mornings with Liam, um, lunch and dinner with Liam, 
Charlie nighttime bathroom. And then the mental load of the other things such as clothes, making sure we have other products and groceries and majority of the cooking. So that's how we have divided it. That is what works for us. Again, it's confusing because we're both working from home and also I have a way more flexible job, but that's where we feel that we both are putting in time to give the other assistance and to help the other thrive. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I hope it resonated with you. I hope you found it interesting. As always, please let me know your thoughts. Send them over to at Pod or podcast at freckledfoodie.com. And if you really enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate a rate and or review. They mean the world to me. And as always, thank you so much for being a part of the Freckled Foodie family. I will be back next Wednesday with a new episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I love doing this more than anything in the world. If you could be so kind as to rate and or review the show, share a screenshot on your Instagram story, whatever you feel like doing to show some love, I would really appreciate it. Obviously follow at Pod on Instagram and me at Freckled Foodie for more content. Thank you for being a part of the FF fam and I hope you have a wonderful day.